Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey there, welcome to Creative MKE. Today, along with my colleague Jasmine Holyfield, I'll be speaking with Gerard Blanks, the Chief Innovation Officer at Milwaukee Film. In our conversation, we speak about his trajectory as a creative programmer and the power of storytelling in films to bring community together. We also hear his perspective of Milwaukee's arts and culture and as a filmmaking hub on the rise. Blank's programming story started at UWM, where he was a founding leader of an organization called SCOPE, or Student Creative Outreach Providing Education Slash Entertainment. There, he organized programming that included a renowned open mic series and events including a talk from author Maya Angelou. Blanks joined Milwaukee Film almost a decade ago and co-founded Black Lens, which presents fiction and documentary films by emerging and established Black storytellers. Before we jump into our conversation, I want to say thank you to WUWM for the opportunity to share this season of Creative MKE on the airwaves each Sunday night at 7 p.m. Creative MKE is supported through a partnership with Shepherd Express. For more than 40 years, Shepherd Express has proudly advocated for arts and culture in the Milwaukee area. You can hear more podcasts like this one at shepherdexpress.com. The feature music in today's episode is Guide Me Over by Adi Armour. Now, stick around for our conversation with Gerard Blinks after the break. Welcome to Creative MKE. Thanks for having me. We're really excited to speak with you about your role at Milwaukee Film today. But before we get started, as a jumping off point, I would love if you could share an arts experience from your life that left a really strong imprint on you. There are so many. So to think of one is difficult. But I would say for me, one of the first experiences I had with my mother that really has stayed with me uh, was going to the movies, right? And so there are too many movies to 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 recount. But I'll tell you this: The Karate Kid <laughs> is a film that I have never stopped watching, never stopped loving. And I, I remember coming out of the movie theater and jumping around and doing kicks <laughs> and all of these things, and turning to my mother and I was like, I you know, I want to take karate. I want to be a martial artist. And that moment always sticks with me because that's what movies have meant for me, Mm. you know, connection with my mother and 
imagination. Thanks for sharing that. I can definitely relate to the connection with the movies and going to the movies and also having family night. So definitely relatable experience there. So tell the audience about your professional trajectory up to the current role that you hold at Milwaukee Film. So I've been with Milwaukee Film for about nine years. For the first half of that, I was either a seasonal or part-time employee. I've been full-time probably for only maybe four years. And my role as chief innovation officer is actually, it's interesting how it came about. When I first came to Milwaukee Film, I was brought on to help create the Black Lens program. And what I imagined, what I wanted to do with it wasn't necessarily what I think others had in mind. So it's been a slow process of me sort of learning how to balance my expectations uh, around what I want to do and see mm-hmm. with others. And so for the past nine years, I have been really I think pushing the boundaries in a good way, right? For the most part, right? I've made a lot of mistakes, but that's primarily because, again, when I came here, I think the idea around what Milwaukee Film saw my role is, was not the vision I had in mind. Mm -hmm. So, but before I got here, I was in social service. Mm -hmm. That's a passion of mine. That's my background. My mother worked in social service for years. Uh, And before that, I was a band manager. I have, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we'll have to do another podcast just for me to talk about all my other lives. So you just mentioned about your own trajectory within Milwaukee Film and how you evolved over the years in, in your professional capacity there. But Milwaukee Film itself has also evolved immensely over the years from an annual film festival and nonprofit organization to an organization that operates multiple festivals, a historic theater venue, and produces ongoing cultural opportunities for enrichment, learning, and of course, cinematic experiences. So how did you envision the future of the organization when you joined? And was there a particular point at which you realized you wanted to be part of shaping that evolution? From the day I got there. I'm good friends with Professor Dante McFadden. He is now at the University of Buffalo. But for years, he was a volunteer and a seasonal employee for Milwaukee Film. We went to college together. We, you know, we were in film school together and until I dropped out. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but but here's the thing, though. He called me and said, hey, we're going to start a new program here uh, focused on black filmmakers. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, of course. And so when I came in and met with the CEO and with Dante, instantly I, I was making plans. I was already creating my vision. And like I said, they knew of me actually because I was writing for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I wrote for them freelance for the music section. So I used my credentials at the journal to get a press pass at the Milwaukee Film Festival. And so they knew about me because I would do reviews of films, even though I was a music writer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I worked it out. <laughs> And so anyway, when I came in, I was really excited, but I also felt like I'm going to make this big. Right. Mm -hmm. And initially it was like you and Dante are going to select films for the festival under this umbrella called Black Lens. And I was like, that's cool. And and then what? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, well, that is the what. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to them, it was 2014. I remember saying to 
uh, Jonathan Jackson, the CEO, and to Dante, I said in three years, in 2017, it's going to be the 20th anniversary of a film called Love Jones. Mm. And Jonathan had never heard of it. Most people at Milwaukee Film had never heard of it. But I was like, trust me, this is a big deal in the black community. Mm -hmm. We need to do something. We need to bring somebody from the film. And for three years, I worked on that. And we ended up bringing Lorenz Tate, who was the star of Love Jones. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge event. 900 people came out. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, the point when people at Milwaukee Film start to trust me a little bit more and say, oh, maybe he knows what he's talking about, you know? <laughs> but from day one, from day one, I was like, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to run with it. You mm. know? And you have a background of programming big time in reading a little bit about your history. I did see about your time programming at UWM mm. for Scope. And yeah. uh, can you tell our listeners the, the get that you got there? Well, th and again, that's me and Dante. So. I went to an open mic in the Union Coffee House and I was blown away. At this time, spoken word poetry was really taken off. And I went to the leader of the BSU and said, how do I get in? And, you know, they were like, oh, we'll get back to you. And when I didn't hear from them, I was like, I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember my girlfriend was laying on my mother's couch and she was like, anybody can start a student organization. And I was like, really? And then that's where it started. Mm -hmm. Me, uh, my girlfriend at the time, Dante, and a few other folks, we just started having meetings and we were like, okay, we're going to do some open mics. And that was it originally. Mm -hmm. And open mics turned into much bigger events. And eventually one of our biggest events is we brought Maya Angelou to campus we did, uh, yeah, we uh, created this thing called Woodson Week, which was a week-long African-American cultural festival. It just went on and on and mm. on. And at some point, I stopped going to class um, <laughs> <laughs> because I was so into this thing we were building. I mean, if you're familiar with the Bader Foundation, right? It's a local charitable foundation. I got my first Bader grant for, what, 40 thousand dollars when I was like 19. Wow. Yeah. And I just taught myself how to write grant applications and I got in trouble. Actually, my life is full of me getting in good trouble, <laughs> the John Lewis kind, but I didn't know there was a protocol. Mm. Right. And so the UWM foundation called over one. I thought I got the money. Like I thought Bader wrote the check to me. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. <laughs> but I, I could write. Come to find out UWM foundation says, we just heard from Bader that some student organization is getting $40,000 and it was a big deal because, you know, there is a line. The science department is trying to get money, right? Mm -hmm. The astronomy department, mm -hmm. the athlete, right? And they were like, you don't get to write grants. And so long story short, we got the money and we got more money and more money. And we started putting on big events. And once I got a taste of that, I, <laughs> I was... I was sold. <laughs> so shifting back to the work that you do at Milwaukee Film, can you speak to a little bit more about how film as a medium can create magic for people? How does it affect communities? What is it about film itself that is so powerful and has drawn you to doing your work through Milwaukee Film? Well, you know, it's visual storytelling. You know, I have attention deficit disorder, right? And so 
I would often find it difficult when I was in school to focus and read something without my mind straying. What I could lock into, though, was the visual. Mm. Right. And so what I realized is I love documentary films Mm -hmm. and I could watch I could really nerd out on a documentary film for hours and hours because that's just what engaged and ignited my brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to be a storyteller. I wanted to harness this power. And I realized that there were a lot of people like me that need the visual, right? Because it's hard sometimes to keep your your mind from wandering so that visual stimulation can lock you in Mm -hmm. and it's so powerful and then identity right like storytelling is how we share we share cultural identity social identity right all identity is tethered to some group or another and how do groups how do they communicate well through stories so it's like it's so important and it's not just the movies, mm. right? And th- think about this too. Most people, when I asked them, where did you go on your first date? Probably the movies, <laughs> right? Everybody has a, a, a memory of going to the movies with their family mm. or with their friends. It's just so ingrained in our lives. And I, I again, I just want to harness that power to, to do something meaningful. Nice. Yeah, I like what you said about being able to lock in on the visuals. Um, And I also appreciate the fact that films incorporate so many other art forms. Mm -hmm. You can add music and language and like fashion. So it's a good way to speak to all of those senses, including the visual. So going back to Black Lens, which Milwaukee film began in 2014, and considering what you mentioned about After Love Jones and how it began to take off, What kind of considerations did you have in its creation? And then how has the program evolved over time? So once I started getting more resources at Milwaukee Film after probably the third year after Love Jones, I just went for it. Me and Dante were out in the community all the time. There was nowhere we wouldn't go. If you had a meeting, Rotary Club, uh, NAACP meeting, it didn't matter. Base, someone had a baseball practice. We would go there with flyers <laughs> and talk and say, hey, have you heard of Black Lens? And that hustle and grind, I think, attracted others. And we started to build this volunteer committee of people like Corey Joe Biddle, who's over at Fuel Milwaukee, uh, Renell Washington, Social X, and Fam. We started mm-hmm. to build this little crew. And, and that's when it really started going. And so at that point, I started to think really big. I started to think about could we take this national, mm-hmm. you know, could I potentially do this full time? And for me, the thing that sort of has kept us going is the feedback from the community. And, you know, next year's our 10th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've got really big plans, <laughs> right? Because for me, I'm only going to do this for so long. Like at some point, I got to pass the baton. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure this is legacy for me. I want to make sure that this thing is where it needs to be. So when I move on, that next group can take it even farther. So I love that you mentioned about the feedback from the community as one of the things that's kept it going. So that actually leads us into our next question. As the chief innovation officer, you're constantly thinking about the ways that the programs can serve the audiences, but you're also learning from the audiences. 
So what's something that stands out to you as a moment when the audience of a program revealed something to you or surprised you? So we don't put anything on screen we can't stand behind. That doesn't mean it's perfect, right? We've had our moments where we sort of reconsidered whether that film was the right film at the right time, those things. But I tell you, I remember, are you familiar with G's Clippers? Mm-hmm. All right. We, it was funny. We were trying to get G to come out to something. And finally, uh, we had this screening of D'Angelo, uh, of a D'Angelo documentary, mm-hmm. right? Very few people have seen this film, right? right? Oh. So we invite G, we invite a bunch of people. And the reaction when people came out of the theater, G grabbed me. And he was so excited about that film. And he was thanking me and he was giving me a hug. And, and I we get that a lot. Like people see a film and they're, they're emotional, right? Because he was just like, and it was a good film, but he was like, man. That right there, that film, you got me, G. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm coming out uh, next time. And I remember having a conversation with Eve Hall, who is the head of the local Urban League, about that film at an event we had. And, you know, Eve Hall is, is, is so smart, right? Having this great intellectual conversation about Black men's emotional and mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's just so many moments like that that give me chills where I just mm-hmm. feel like... This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and then there are those moments where I've I've gotten those emails or calls where it's like, oh, man, what what was that Mm -hmm. film? Or even there's even been moments where I said, look, we made a mistake. We brought a guest once or twice where, you know, they didn't connect with the audience in the way we had hoped. Let's Mm -hmm. just say it that way. Mm -hmm. And so and you got to stand on that. And sometimes you just got to take those. Right. But. I hope people trust us. And I'm one of those people. I'm not big on apologies because I feel like saying sorry. A lot of people are really not that sincere. Right. Mm -hmm. They're saying that to get out of trouble. But I'm big on acknowledging when we make mistakes. And I think we, we hit the mark more often than not. Now, with all of the trust that's been built with the community and the members of Milwaukee Film, there's been a lot of momentum, exciting momentum for the organization. and. Now, Milwaukee Film is approaching the Cultures and Communities Festival Mm. this fall. Yes. So please tell our listeners, what is this festival all about and what can they expect from the programming and the experience? This festival is a labor of love. So is Blackland. So is everything I do, quite frankly, right? It started off as this thing called the Minority Health Film Festival. And I always apologize to people because that's a horrible title. (laughs) But the idea was... April's Minority Health Awareness Month. I was like, oh, well, let's do like a couple films over the weekend, like a little series mm-hmm. tying into health and wellness for people of color, particularly, mm-hmm. particularly black folks, but people of color. Right. And Heidi Moore, formerly, she used to be at Freighter. She got the proposal. I had written the proposal for someone else. She got hold of it and she said, oh, Freighter needs to do this. Mm-hmm. And overnight, what was supposed to be this small little thing turned into a much bigger, it turned into a festival, basically. Mm-hmm. And we learned a lot of lessons in the first couple of years, right? You don't program a film about, you know, generational trauma at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. That's a tough one, right? <laughs> but over the course of five years, we've gotten to this point where now we understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It is this thing, and, and I'm hoping both of you come out. It's about 15 to 20 films. 
It's about 30 events mm. all over the city, mm-hmm. big events, small events in the community. We got stuff at the Paps Theater. We got events at like COA. We've got something for everybody. And I hate when people say that because generally that means you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. But it's it's about joy and celebration. It's about arts and culture. It's about health. It's about wellness. But most of all, it's about community. It's exciting to see this event evolve. And and I can't wait to see where we go next. So, you know, in your own words, what would you consider the footprint of Milwaukee film within Milwaukee's creative economy? Ooh, (laughs) I'll say this again. We're not just the movies, right? I feel like. And and I'm going to be really candid with you. There are times where when you think of arts and culture, right, you think of the ballet and you think of the symphony orchestra, right? All of these things. And film is a part of that. But either people think we're too highbrow or we're not highbrow enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm biased, of course, but it's like nobody does what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, anywhere. A lot of people can put a film on a screen. A lot of people can have a post panel, uh, but nobody has a theater like we have. Mm -hmm. Nobody's got my team. Mm. Nobody knows how that D'Angelo film. Mm -hmm. The next night we had an event called Groove Theory. So we did a tribute, a musical tribute to D'Angelo and then had this amazing after party. Who's doing that? (laughs) Nobody. So, so. Where do we fit in the footprint? You know, I, that's one of those I can't I can't answer without beating my chest a little bit. So <laughs> but I, I just think we're, we're integral. We're integral mm-hmm. to everything that's going on. And again, I'm always trying to push the boundaries and I want us to lead the way in terms of where we're going next. When you talk about the creative economy, it is important for us to support local folks trying to get their their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of of what I feel like is our mission. Awesome. All right, Gerard, I have a bit of a chicken and egg question for you. So here in Milwaukee, you know, we know that film is a huge deal. We know that we have a very robust film community of people who are working at all different areas within the profession. There is a stat that shows that the film industry in Milwaukee actually outnumbers the number of workers in the brewing industry, for example. So do you think Milwaukee has become in some ways a film place, a film town because of the work of Milwaukee film? Or did Milwaukee film evolve here and become what it is here because we are a film town? Both and or. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, here's the thing. There are a few things that need to be done on the political level to get Milwaukee to where it needs to be. But I tell Mm. you, this could be the next the next boom town. Like Mm. when you think of like Atlanta, do you know how many films are made in Atlanta now? Mm -hmm. It's it's sort of become the Hollywood of the South. It's amazing. Uh, Places like Virginia, there are so many places in the country now that have have welcomed the film industry. Mm. And it was interesting because I think I can say this. Uh, Governor Evers came by our office um, um, over during Juneteenth 
And, you know, our office is in the No Studios building, which is owned by John Ridley. Mm -hmm. He happened to be there. We had we happened to have an interesting conversation. And it was so cool to see John Ridley advocating for bringing the film industry to Wisconsin on a major level and saying, look, whatever you need from me, Mm -hmm. I'm here because if we can really open the doors to bringing more film productions to Milwaukee and Wisconsin, you know what that does for the local economy? And it was so interesting because John Ridley, who is this Academy Award winning uh, director and writer, is breaking it down on such a simple level. He's Mm -hmm. like from craft services to the hotels to Mm -hmm. to the Uber drivers. Everybody's making money when you bring these large productions. And so we have been a big part of advocating for uh, film in this city. And I want to say, obviously, we are at the forefront. We're at the vanguard. Mm But we wouldn't exist if there wasn't a desire, a creative Mm -hmm. desire. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it is. It's a push pull. And it's like our job is to support. But at the same time, we get support from those creatives. You're teeing things up really beautifully also for my interview with some representatives from Action Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So stay tuned, listeners. More on that in terms of advocating for film incentives in our community. So I want to tease out something that you touched on, though, when you were just reflecting on the film industry and its potential. Can you weigh in on what Milwaukee looks like if and when our art sector and specifically our film sector has more support infused into it? I brought up Atlanta a minute ago, and it's funny because. Milwaukee's seen as a small city in terms of population, in terms of size, we're as big as a city as Atlanta, 40% black, a majority minority. There's all of these perceptions of this city that don't fit the reality. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine if we start investing more in arts and culture? Because let's be real. What is one of the issues, right? Why do, why is, why is the brain drain such an issue in a city like Milwaukee? Because people want more to life than just food, clothes, and shelter. That's very important. Don't get me wrong. Those are the mm-hmm. basics. But then after that, what do you want? You want a vibrant social life. Mm-hmm. You want culture, right? Mm-hmm. And when you feel like you can't get it somewhere, you're going to go, especially if you're young and talented. You're mm-hmm. going to say, hey, I can go. I can go an hour and a half south to Chicago. I was over there. I was there over the weekend. Oh, oh man, it was I was at a at a restaurant that stayed open past like nine o'clock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just I'm just being real. But it's like for far too long, we've sort of said, no, that's not that important. Mm-hmm. No. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Culture is life. Mm-hmm. Right. And art is it, whether we're talking about. Uh, B-boys and and breakers and DJs as art or the art that hangs on the wall at the museum. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, people want to be stimulated. We were just talking about that, right? Mm -hmm. And they want to have something to look forward to other than work, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we start to build the sector. And remember, we're talking about jobs, right? Robots haven't taken over yet. People (laughs) have to still do these things, right? So. We're talking about jobs, which means more money, Mm -hmm. more money means hopefully bigger and better things, more resources. I just it's it's frustrating sometimes, but I feel like we are starting to turn the corner. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're Mm -hmm. starting to understand how much art and culture means 
to a city, to a community, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for imagining that future for us a little bit. Oh, it's not that far off. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time, Gerard. This has been a wonderful conversation. We're so grateful. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it, leave a rating or review, or contact us. Creative MKE is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Elizabeth Gasparka. It is recorded in beautiful downtown Milwaukee with engineering support from the good folks at PodCamp Media. Creative MKE's theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To get involved or learn more about the work of Imagine MKE, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or visit us on the web. <laughs>